Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Here's my shoulder for you to lean on when everything is going wrong. And here's my Hello and welcome to Really Good Shares. I'm AJ Delario, your host. Now, on this podcast, I want to expand the definition of recovery. Well, uh, hold on. Someone recently described this show as, quote, they say it's about recovery and sobriety, but it feels more like how to be a person or how to grow from your mistakes. Works for me. I try to get better by talking to people who've helped me want to be a better version of myself, want to be a better man. That's maybe the best compliment of my life. Today, we're talking about my meditation practice. And I want to change mine up in the new year to help with four things in particular. To become less agitated with my children, to help with my control issues, to help me sleep better, and most important, how to be less afraid of things that have not happened yet. You may have heard this truism that you should meditate 30 minutes per day. Unless you're really busy, then you should meditate an hour per day. And that's my goal. I want to do an hour per day. I'm up for that challenge because I want to eliminate all of my problems. I'm searching for enlightenment. I think I'm close already, maybe, and then that extra half hour per day could get me there. Basically, I want to be a nationally ranked meditator. In this episode, I'm trying to dive into this practice without overloading you with some of the terminology people use in Buddhist practices or other Eastern religions. But don't worry, I promise we'll all be enlightened by the end of this episode. No, that's not true at all. Sorry. But we've called in an expert. I think this is our first expert we've had on this podcast. His name is James Barris, and I'm going to read his bio directly from his website. James has been a meditation teacher since 1978. Uh, He leads retreats, workshops, and classes in the U.S. and abroad. 
is the co-founding teacher of Spirit Rock Meditation Center in Woodacre, California. And as you'll soon find out, he's kind and soothing and uses the phrase far out in a way that's completely endearing. You just sit and know you're sitting. But here's the thing. You think, oh, what could be simpler than that? It turns out most anything is easier than really being here and paying attention. James came to our show, courtesy of Holly Whitaker, who has become a valued supporter of both our podcast and the Small Boat Newsletter. So thanks to Holly for setting this up. Now here's some of my meditation story. Like most upright walking humans, I was skeptical about the efficacy of meditation. What do you mean you just sit? How am I supposed to empty my mind? I have too many things to do and I can't just be still for five minutes every day. I have to wash the dishes, do the laundry, do my taxes, pick up the kids from school, earn a higher salary. We're in a pandemic. The earth is on fire. Write the script for this goddamn podcast episode. Does this sound familiar? My first attempt at meditation was soon after I got out of rehab in 2015. I used the the Calm app, and I would do these five-minute guided meditations, uh, usually led by Tamara Levitt. When you're ready, close your eyes. My ambient sounds were oceans crashing and fire crackling. So I used Calm, and then I moved on to Headspace for a couple of years. Uh, Andy Puttycomb and his groovy British accent. When did you last? take any time to do nothing. Now, I used to think that meditation required a dark and quiet room, free from all distractions. But after doing it for a little while, I realized that is not true at all. I started meditating more meaningfully during an AA meditation meeting, which is held every Tuesday at the Bliss Cafe in Los Angeles. This is a working, busy cafe. We were supposed to sit for 10 minutes with our eyes closed as patrons came in and out and ordered bagel sandwiches and smoothies and there were blenders whirring and eggs frying and there were people looking at me all strange as they ordered their food. But it helped me move past the distractions. And now, no gut at all. I use the Insight Timer app. Two bells at the beginning and one bell at the end of the sit. And I practice sitting 10 to 30 minutes per day. My dog, Nesta, still barks. My kids still sometimes bang on the door and want to come in and say hi to me. There are squirrels running around on the roof constantly. One day a week, I sit in a 15-minute group meditation with around five other people. And we do this in a church so we can hear street noise and the clanging air conditioning unit. Plus, sorry, sometimes a person forgets to put their phone on silent. It doesn't matter. You know, I've learned how to roll all that up, and I can still have a good sit. I've noticed that since I've increased the meditation practice, that I have the ability to pause a little bit more. I don't honk my horn in traffic much. I, I don't get agitated as much anymore. So this is progress, right? Huge. Okay. Now, if you said, oh, damn it, there I am getting impatient. I'm supposed to be a meditator. You just added more fuel to the fire. Right, right. But if you say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this to my kids. I don't want to do this to myself. There's something very healthy in that. Mm -hmm. And you saw you had a choice. Yeah. 
there was something very honest and real inside that said, wow, I have a choice here. Yeah. Wow. And how did it feel when you, when you didn't go for it? I was like, did I just become an adult? Like right in this moment, have I become a, a person who is now able to, to handle these circumstances differently? I was, I was a little shocked by it because then that kind of set off a whole bunch of different scenarios outside of that where I was just like, oh, I guess I have choices in all of these things in terms of how I can either act or react, right? And that's how I felt was just like, oh, what if I apply this to other things? And how did that feel inside? That felt like I was going to basically take your job and I should actually just, you know, open my own center and <laughs> buy a mountain because that's where I should live. It felt pretty good. Yes. There's me using jokes as a defense mechanism again. But yeah, it felt pretty good. That feeling of feeling pretty good, you weren't trying to manufacture, oh, let's be a super meditator. Yeah. Historically, I just react. I react in ways that are destructive. And when I react, say in this case, yell at my children or move them to another room to put them in timeout, I know I haven't helped the situation. My kids start to cry, and I feel guilty and awful for becoming frustrated and agitated with them. But recently, I took some time just to not react, to not yell. As I mentioned earlier, many people think that they're too busy to meditate. But I notice when I do it, I realize I'm not as busy as I think I am. Those lists of things to do turn out to be much smaller than I believe, and most of the time, there is no rush. Slowing down helps me to catch myself and pause before I start yelling. But I want more of that. And I'm wondering, what if I meditated for an hour per day? How would I feel? Whatever gets you there, whatever motivates you, once you have a deeper connection to the truth inside, mm -hmm. all of that grasping, all of that wanting, all of that ego, I'm going to be the best meditator that's ever walked this planet drops away and you see that it's not about you. Yeah. It's about getting in touch with the truth or the divine or the, the Buddha or the kingdom of heaven that's right inside of you and the ego falls away. Come back to your motive, your highest motivation for why you want to do what you do and let let that heartfelt inspiration be your guide. Right. So it's less about an hour per day. It's more about getting into what truly inspires me to meditate in the first place. But for me, part of it was being so proud that I meditated every single day. I thought I was seeing some results. Mm -hmm. Okay. What you're bringing up is really important. Sometimes people have these lofty ideals or, or illusions that when I really get it, I'm just going to be so balanced. Nothing's going to phase me. I'm going to be like a Buddha. That's not what the practice is about. It's about being with what's here and holding it with a wise 
kind, compassionate awareness. So you don't have to get rid of anything. In fact, the more you get frustrated at your frustration or angry at your anger, you're just getting more caught up in things. But rather, it's what is my relationship to what's happening? Can there be a kinder, a wiser relationship to my disappointment or my frustration or my anger or my impatience? There's one main discourse of the Buddhas called the Satipatthana Sutta or the the discourse on the foundations of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And he says there's a number of different areas that one can be mindful. You can be mindful of all the things that are happening in your body, your breath, your sensations, sounds, everything on the physical plane. You can be mindful of the pleasantness, unpleasantness, or neutrality of of experience, which is happening in every moment. That's the second foundation. And the third foundation is you can be mindful of all the contents of mind. One knows the restless mind as the restless mind. One knows the mind with anger as the mind with anger. One knows the mind that is concentrated and filled with loving kindness as the mind that's filled with loving kindness. And so the awareness can hold anything. As one of my colleagues says, awareness doesn't care. It doesn't care. It cares. There's a caring heart, but it doesn't care what's arising. Whatever is there is the next thing to see without reacting to it, without getting frustrated by it and without identifying with it as my anger or my frustration. It's just this mind state that's come will stay here for a little while if you don't mess with it. It's it, There have been studies that say it stays for about 90 seconds if you don't mess with an emotion as it arises. And you can be with it and just say, oh, look at that. Mostly, it's here for a little while if we don't get caught in it. So this is not about getting rid of anything. It's just, can I have a wise relationship to it? And the beautiful thing about it, about mindfulness, is that it weakens all the unhealthy states and it strengthens all the beautiful states. And it's not because you're trying to get rid of anything. You're just making space for them all to be held in a kind, uh, wise awareness. Now, obviously, none of this makes any sort of sense. <laughs> this is all gibberish. That's what I used to think. I get it. I think James sounds completely crazy. <laughs> like he's some sort of mystic. But he's not. He's a man. But what has happened to me, I noticed that, well, I used to feel bad. This makes me feel better. Why not do something that makes me feel better? Are you familiar with the self-compassion practice? No. There's a, a little formula you should know about this. This is devised by these two meditators in our community, Kristen Neff and Chris Germer. Uh, they put in a formula of how to mindfully bring compassion to yourself. Here it is, very simple. First step, 
Try it with me. Put your hand on your heart. There's something really powerful about a tender touch that your whole body feels a comfort, even if it's coming from your hand. And then three reflections. Maybe even close your eyes as you do it so you get in touch with it. Oh, this is a moment of suffering. Just acknowledging that this is hard. And then the second reflection, suffering is part of life. Or you might think of the millions of people that are going through what you're going through right now. Oh, I'm not alone here. And then the third is, let me hold this with kindness and compassion. And let that one inside that needs comforting be comforted by the wise one that's holding, holding him or her. Can you feel that? Yeah. That's what's needed when you're starting to get frustrated with yourself. That's the key. It starts with kindness, and then you can see things clearly enough to choose wisely. You mean it? I can't just like call myself a piece of shit the whole entire time? You can, but here's the trick. The mind has an amazing tendency to wander off into the future, think about the past, or be lost in fantasies, or just keep on replaying the top 10 tunes of what's going on in your life right now. And it's not so easy to be here and not be lost in thought. So when you try to pay attention, you'll see that your mind is filled with thoughts. But the key moment in the whole process is the moment that you realize that your mind has wandered. Because when you realize that it's wandered, you've got a few choices. Either, damn it, there I am, gone. Let's get back here and do this right. And all you're doing is cultivating judgment, frustration, and discouragement with a little bit of awareness thrown in. Not recommended. Second common response, oh, I've been lost in thought, but this is a really important thought. Let me just stay with this one. Watch out. You've just gotten hooked on your thoughts, and if you're lucky, you might be gone for five seconds, more likely two minutes or five minutes or however long. It takes discipline not to be hooked on your thoughts. The recommended response when you realize that you've been gone, instead of feeling frustrated, appreciate you've just come back to the present moment. Ah, here I am again. And let the return be done with great kindness and patience and just the intention to be here starting once again. If you think of your mind as this cute, frisky, energetic puppy dog that doesn't know any better and goes off to, oh yeah, when is this COVID thing going to finally end? Oh, come on back, you know, or that really did happen in junior high. Damn it. Whoop, come on back. Oh, I can't wait. Come on back. After a while, it learns and it'll be your best friend. 
You don't want to beat it for wandering off. It doesn't know any better, right? So you just bring it back with love each time. You're training, not only training your mind, but training having a really healthy, wholesome, good relationship with your mind. So that's the key. When I first started to meditate, I would let my negative thoughts unspool around me. It's uh, my duty to passively observe them, accept them. But now, I'm thinking of my mind as a puppy, I'm learning to actively guide it back to the present moment. I'm building a skill. Um, recently, due to a COVID outbreak at my children's preschool, they all had to stay home. I remember their ages are four, three, and one. My wife had the car because she had to go to her real job, so I was cooped up inside with them. There were many moments in the past when I would raise my voice, even when they weren't climbing all over the tables or beating on each other. But I didn't want to yell at them like that over the course of 13 hours. Daddy, I want to get off. Did you wipe? I pooed. Right. I mean peed. Instead, I tried to just get quieter. I either if I yell at him or I'm nice to him, same result. So why yell? <laughs> right? You know, so Well, remember your dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you want to develop in them? When my son, uh, who's now 35, uh, when he was a little kid, he had a tantrum most every single day until he was like four years old. And I used to say, God, I wonder when the day will be when he doesn't have a tantrum. But what we would do, we'd have this little game. And I'd say, Hey, Ad, do you want me to tell you the people who love you? And he'd kind of, he'd nod and I'd hold him and I'd say, mommy loves you and daddy loves you and grandma loves you and Aunt Susan loves you. And he just kind of melt, melt and melt. And that was a whole lot better than saying, get it together, kid. Right. And he had his era where I was saying, oh, I hope he makes it through his teenage years. But then all of those seeds got sprouted. You want to, for your kids, model compassion right. for yourself, starting with yourself. Yeah. And then you can extend it to them. Because the more you p can be patient with yourself and kind to that little AJ inside, the more it'll be coming from, you know, the source, mainlining it. Here's the thing to keep in mind. You've been practicing it one way for a long time. And I, 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 this is not just about you. We've all had habits for a long time that don't serve us. And usually we don't realize we have a choice. But when you start to see that you have a choice, it's not like you can just flick the switch and never get caught in that habit again. Yeah. And that's where rather than, oh, I, I never want to lose my temper with my, with my three kids under five, uh, good luck. <laughs> and that you see little by little, you're just having a bit more, one, more choice, and two, a bit more space. Mm -hmm. This almond-shaped cluster of neurons in our brain called the amygdala looks out for the next thing that could go wrong. It takes practice to look for what goes right. But 
when you're under stress, your mind is that much more contracted. And when you are stressed, you will go towards the negative. You'll go towards frustration, impatience, self-blame, blaming others, anger. To sum up, most of my approach to meditating has been the wrong approach. It's not a competition. I'm not a failure if it doesn't fix all my problems. The true lessons are in the process, and sometimes I'm not kind to myself in my process. So James showed me how to do that. He got just through a one-minute meditation, bells and all, so when you hear a bell, that's not us trying to be cute with the sound design. Again, it's only one minute. All right, ready? So I'll give just some very simple instructions. I had to just invite you maybe to, uh, if you if you can, close your eyes and uh, maybe first feel yourself sitting here. Just feel the earth underneath you. See if you can pay attention to this. Just feel underneath you that groundedness. And feel your body sitting here. Maybe take a few deeper breaths and breathe in a calming energy. And as you breathe out, let go and relax. And then just let the breath be natural. And simply know that you're sitting here alive and breathing. And if something else comes, like a sound or um, a sensation, you can notice that, just whatever is here. And when you find that your mind has wandered, remember, bring it back with great kindness. Just bring the puppy dog back. All right, ready, go. Just knowing you're alive. Sitting and breathing. When you hear the bell ring, notice the hearing, and then very gently, mindfully, come back when you're ready.
how was that for you? Did you enjoy it? Well, maybe give it another shot later. While I had James here, I wanted to ask him some questions that come up for me all the time as I meditate. Now, some of these are silly questions, but he was very patient with me and he answered all of them. Some more specifically than I was actually expecting. What if my foot falls asleep? <gasps> Am I allowed to stop <gasps> meditating or is that not count? Do I throw that out? Like, I mean, never heard that one before. Really? <laughs> Come on. Everybody's foot falls asleep, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Everybody's foot falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. What are you going to do about it? Well, that's the part that I think I struggle with. It's also like if I move my foot, do I have to restart the meditation all over again? Does it count? <laughs> Am I not meditating if my foot falls asleep? You, will, you yeah. won't get your gold star? I, I won't get it, my gold star, right? So... Either way, <laughs> it's all about the intention behind it. So if your foot falls asleep, first of all, uh, we've never lost anyone <laughs> to a, 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 a sleepy foot. Okay, just making sure. I, I fear some amputation sometimes where I'm just like, oh, should I lose the foot over this? You know, There's a couple of different ways you can go. One is to just be curious and explore sleepy foot. Okay. Oh, wow. That's intense. And part of that is, oh my goodness, I'm afraid my foot's going to fall off. Or, oh, I hate this. And you can include the aversion or you can include the fear or you can include the frustration or all of that. Oh, that's what's happening. Or you can just go to, oh, pins and needles. Wow. Look at that. Or, wow, it's gone completely. I, and just be an explorer. If you've got the energy to do that. Yeah. But if it gets to the point, this is one of my main guidelines, if it gets to the point that it's a struggle and all you're doing is seeing if you can hang in there and, and survive, then all you're doing is um, just uh, strengthening your ego. I can do this. Okay. But rather, it might be the time to very mindfully, very mindfully move your limb. You can simply make the meditation a very mindful movement. And all it takes is like an inch or two and starting to feel the sensations of the tingling and the blood coming back and all. Far out. Look at that. Yeah. And you're being mindful moment to moment of that next experience. Either way you do it is fine. Just get in touch with why you're doing it so it's not right. done out of either ego or frustration or anger. If my stomach starts growling, is it my responsibility to get up and leave the circle? <laughs> you remind me of a, I was in the middle of a three-month retreat and uh, and they often serve beans on retreat. <laughs> Gas going all over. And, and it occurred to me, 
would it, if a Zen master knew that a loud fart was coming and he was near the door or she was near the door, would they get up or would they just stay there? What's the answer? The answer is <laughs> either way, don't take it personally. Okay. <laughs> because I I used to get up and then go to the bathroom. One time I completely walked out and pretended I had an emergency phone call because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> um, True confessions here. Uh, but, I, but I mean, this was, you know, this is this, this stuff that I had to get over. It was like there was, I, I noticed that there was so much anxiety in that group session, like a lot of the time. And um, yeah, yeah. But I've also noticed that it's no longer there. And I thought that like a lot of the time when I was in group, it was harder for me initially mm-hmm. um, because I, especially the quieter place, when that blender was going off, I'm cool. But when I got in this very small circle that was intimate, a lot of the time to even get into the meditation, I, I, I described it as basically trying to pull in a very, like hauling a marlin, like to, in order to try to get in to the zone and not just be worried about what everyone else is thinking about me, right? <laughs> So let me ask you, yeah. if somebody else in the circle had a growling stomach, would you be angry with them? No, not at all. No. So uh, that that's one of the things that you, you might just try doing every time. It's like, oh, what will they think of me? Right. Imagine it happening to somebody else and reflect on well, how would you feel towards them? You'd probably have compassion, wish they would hope they're doing okay. And just uh, included in the meditation. Yeah, I mean, I felt that I had to do that when someone's phone went off right? because I was like, you know, uh, I was like, don't they know the rules? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it could have been you and there, but for the grace of God. That's what I did. Instead, I checked my phone at the bottom. But then I was mad because I broke out of my meditation. I'm like, oh, now I, now I have to quit. So here's a, a little tweak that you can just include, which is really the heart of the Buddha's teaching. Don't take it personally. Be kind to little AJ inside. I'm surprised you're such a kind man. <laughs> I used to be an ogre. <laughs> really? Were you, were you at one point? Were you? No. No, I didn't think so. I can be impatient. I was a school teacher and kids love being in my class. I used to have, I had long hair and I was like, you know, the, the cool teacher who played right. the guitar. But I used to have a, a strong desk slam until I learned to meditate. And then I, instead of slamming the desk, I just got quiet inside. And lo and behold, the kids said, what's Mr. Barris doing? Oh, and from then on, they begged me to teach them meditation. Huh. So I'm not doing anything wrong. James is right. My foot isn't going to get amputated. Who cares if my stomach is growling? I don't care if yours is. These are all helpful suggestions that made me feel better. But when I use the insight timer, I glance over and the app shows who's meditating alongside me. It's a bunch of people with avatars that have like lotuses and shit in them. Really tranquil. Theoretically, this could be an opportunity to build community or feel camaraderie, but I want to beat them. Oh, you're meditating for 15 minutes a day. That's cute. Watch this, buddy. I'm about to waste you. It's like I'm playing Fortnite. So, with all that considered, the next suggestion that James made 
completely blew my mind. Because I also use the Insight Timer to track how many days in a row I've meditated. And right now it sits at 39, but it was 298. Although it can be a good motivation to really go for it, at some point, any kind of attachment is just creating more suffering or more ego. So if the, if the motivation is coming because you're drawn to it or you are, you're, you're deeply drawn to the truth or to get in touch with a, a depth of stillness inside, that will probably will be in the long run more supportive. In fact, I remember at one point I was in that phase like you, I'm never going to miss a day. And then I saw like after like 200 and something days, I was really proud. And I said, I need to miss a day. I need to, I need to do that. So I'm not doing this to get another gold star. Wow. So it's something that you might just consider Now, I've been so obsessed with my streak on the Insight Timer app. I, I felt like such a failure when I broke my streak. Like, none of those days counted at all. But I did meditate. I didn't lose anything. I just lost my streak. So I actually have to re-examine what my motivation to meditate has been so far. I completely rethink that. Like, my reason for doing this has been warped. I've been jumping into it in a way that contradicts what the benefits are. I guess not the 30 minutes or the hour or the street. Intention is what's important. I mean, if I meditate an hour per day, great. But it may not change everything. The practice is supposed to be humbling. It's not for ego gratification. The point is I have to accept that my life won't necessarily be everything I want it to be. I could even meditate for 23 hours per day, but it wouldn't mean that I'm the best meditator in the world or the perfect father, or that I'm able to float on a cloud, it would just mean that I meditate for 23 hours per day. So for me, the key to enlightenment is to know that I will never, ever be enlightened. But in the meantime, I'll just sit still, see what happens. Sorry, that was us. Next time on Really Good Chairs, I'm abandoning my family and moving to Tibet just like Pema's children. Farewell, my loves. Just kidding. Next time, former 90s MTV VJ Say What Karaoke host extraordinaire Dave Holmes. He's going to talk to us about how he's managed to be part of the um, content production business across many media platforms without becoming a raging dick monster. Stay off Twitter, kids. Really Good Shares is hosted by me, AJ Delario, with produced by Julian Weller, Jackie Huntington, and Jessica Kreinchich, with production assistance from Lindsay Hoffman. Our theme music is Everything You'll Ever Need by Swamp Dog. Our executive producers are myself and Julian Weller. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikater and Bethan Macaluso. And extra special thanks to James Barris for the spiritual lightning bolt that he gently struck me with during our conversation. 
If you liked what you heard here, check out thesmallbow.com. That's bow as in bow and arrow. Cool. We'll be back next time with Dave Holmes on how to stay sane in an insane digital world. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.